No Exit with Nicholas Corice contains explicit language and content. Listener discretion is advised. Tommy Stiles took a drag off of his cigarette and ran his hands through his bleach-blonde hair. Sitting on a bench, he took a long look out at the waves crashing in and out and then spit on the concrete. Tomorrow, he would be on a plane to London just to get out of the mess of L.A. for as long as he could. Today, however, he was just a washed-up movie star with an uncertain future, figuring out how he was going to get his next paycheck. Just yesterday, it felt like he was the darling indie movie actor that ballooned up into a mega-sensation overnight, only now to be spat out by a newer generation of influencers, talking heads and talentless hacks. It was hard for him to find a job doing anything these days. This very morning, he was turned down to play the voice of a cartoon dog in an upcoming kids movie. Though they didn't have to say it, he knew that his heavy vibes and edgy past wouldn't be right for a vanilla popcorn flick meant for toddlers and their soft-bodied parents, even if it was ironic, which Tomy shuddered at the thought of. Tomy had gotten argumentative in the audition room with the producer while reading his lines, and he had caused more than a few eye rolls. The result was a blowout on Twitter which was still going on at this very moment. Because of this, his agent had decided to drop him once and for all. It was just too many problems between the two of them to keep the business going, so to speak. And the incident this morning was just the final nail in the coffin. Tommy wished he hadn't thrown his phone into the water earlier, but he knew looking at it would only lead to more anger. Tommy sighed through his nose and flicked his butt out into the sand. He needed a drink, but he craved much more than that, especially in times of stress. In the morning, he would call his financial advisor and see what he could liquidate. Even before the heat of this moment today, he was already feeling that it was time to sell everything here in Los Angeles and just hit the road. He just wasn't doing any good here anymore. No part of him was doing good here anymore, if it was ever even good in the first place. Nothing was the same anymore. He reached underneath his sunglasses and wiped a tear from his face with a dirty, manicured fingernail. He sighed again and was about to go back to his apartment when he heard a stranger say, Hey there! Tommy, startled, turned to look and saw an old man in a red Hawaiian shirt standing next to him. He was walking a small black dog and had a smile drawn across his mustached elderly face. How you doing there, young man? Why so glum? The sun is shining, the wind is blowing. No need to be down, right? Got everything you need here. He punctuated this with a smile. Tommy sighed loudly and scratched the back of his neck. This part of the beach was totally empty about three seconds ago. It was just his luck that the first person to appear here wanted to walk straight up to him and start chatting. At least it wasn't a fan, or paparazzi, or a former fan for that matter. Uh, yeah, Tommy said, trying his best to quell his attitude. Listen, I'm having a pretty shitty day here. Uh, I appreciate it and all, but... Hey, said the old man, you know who you remind me of? That guy in those, uh... What do you call those, those automatron movies? Oh, my grandkids just love those. You ever see him? You look just like that guy. He's pretty good looking, huh? Tommy winced and shook his head. Again, he had to stop himself from saying or doing anything brash. The last thing he needed was another round of posts on the internet about assaulting an old man after having a quote-unquote meltdown. Yeah, Tommy said, I know those films pretty good because I am that guy. I was in those movies. I can't say I look back on the whole experience too fondly, especially right now. Ah, you're being too hard on yourself. Those were great with the robots and the whooshing and all that. I liked them. Say, you know what else you were good in? That ghost movie. The one in the factory. That was a scary movie, kid. 
Tomi's heart could have almost stopped beating when he heard this. Wait, what did you just say? What was it called? Oh, I remember, darn it. Ghost of Quarter Lane. Yeah, I remember that one. I was a projectionist in an art house theater in 01. Loved that movie. Normally when I hit the switch in the booth, I was either reading or dozing off, but that one, I stayed awake and watched the whole thing every time. You, you actually saw that? Not a lot of people did. Oh, I did. And it's a shame, it was an excellent film. It should have been a blockbuster, but I think it was just bad timing, what with how that year went and all. But it was good, chilling, really. I can't shake some of the scenes in that movie. <laughs> you know, if you ever get the chance, you should make another one. It seemed a bit open-ended if you ask me, but uh, what do I know? Tommy looked up at the man, still stunned after what he just heard. Uh, I, that's not a bad idea, actually. I never would have thought of it. Uh, yeah. Huh. Hey, uh, while we're uh, on the subject here, the old man continued. His dog was looking bored and was tugging on the leash. Something I've always wondered, uh, did anything strange ever happen on that set? I mean, some of it just seemed so real. It was like there was a real ghost in that movie, uh, something. Tommy's gaze didn't leave the man, but his face tightened. After a long silence, he said, no, 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 nothing like that. It was just, uh, you know, good effects, really, y you know. Oh, well, uh, it sure fooled me, kid. Well, it's nice to meet you. My name's, uh, Stan. Hope you have a better day. Take care, will you? Sure, said Tommy. And, uh, thanks. A appreciate it. The old man gave an awkward wave as his dog pulled him away back towards the beach, and Tommy gave an equally awkward wave back. He sat on the bench with his hands flopped in his lap. His mind was in the making of an idea. Well, an idea that was given to him by someone else, but an idea nonetheless. Tommy knew he wouldn't be getting on that plane tomorrow. That didn't mean, however, he was still going to stay here. Hey, Mom, it's me, said Tommy to a speakerphone in a car. Tommy, is that you, sweetie? How are you? Despite telling his mother dozens of times, she still insists on calling him that name. He wasn't in the mood to bicker with her about it right now, though. Hey, Mom, listen, I just wanted to let you know that I'm going to be in town here for a couple weeks. By Friday, I should have more of a permanent place, but is it okay if I stay with you and Greg until then? Of course, dear. You know you're welcome over here at any time. You can stay in the guest bedroom. I'll just move the cat pans out of the way. Uh, all right, he said. Thanks. Uh, hey, I know it's kind of short notice, and I'm sorry it's late right now, but I, I should be there tomorrow morning. Well, that's fine, dear. We'll get you situated, and you can come to bingo with me and Charlene later. Uh, no, that that's fine. Look, I'm on the road, Ma. I got some stuff to take care of. I'll, I'll give you a call tomorrow. He hit the end button on the phone before she said anything else. He knew if she'd get a chance, she'd start talking to him about anything and everything. He didn't have the time for that right now. Pulling off the highway, he drove further through the rural areas and then through an old stretch of paved road that branched off from the main streets. He eventually stopped the car at a large abandoned factory building surrounded by a rusty chain-link fence. Looks exactly the same, he thought. Maybe even worse. The last time he was here, he and a group of film students from the local college had to get special permission to enter and shoot in here. It took almost two years and every cent Tommy had to his name at the time. Of course, all that was only for the permission that they needed, while most of the footage they wanted became a matter of sneaking in at the right times. He turned the car off and got out, then listened for a moment. He was listening for the voices of people, living 
or dead. It was quiet now. There was nothing new around here except for layers of dirt, some more broken windows, and probably a host of brand new vermin on the inside. He got a newly bought crowbar and a flashlight from the trunk and made his way around the fence, then slipped into the hole obscured by the old oak tree. This was the performer's entrance, as they had called it back in the day. He was surprised it hadn't been sealed up after all these years, which meant to him that this building hadn't been touched this whole time by virtually anyone. He walked to a set of rusted metal doors and pried them open. He walked inside carefully, edging himself in step by step. Just like the collection of wrinkles on his face as time went on, so too did the building have its own wrinkles. Spider webs, dripping noises far off from the dark spots, and a floor covered with dust and debris. He felt a sense of nostalgia just for a second, and that was replaced by a sense of dread. This was a place that felt like no one should ever be in, and only more so felt that way with age. He whistled and it echoed through the hollow structure. He swung his crowbar up and hit a steel pillar and the sound reverberated through the emptiness. Stanley, he said. You still here, buddy? I got another job for you. You're gonna be a movie star again, pal. Remember? Where are you, man? Come on out. He cupped his ear and listened, but heard nothing. Not even the sound of a rat scurrying or roaches on the floor. You're awful quiet. It's not like you. Not like you at all, buddy. Did you finally move on? Huh? Somehow I don't think you did. Well, I didn't want to do this too soon, but I know exactly what'll wake you up. A cool breeze kicked through the building and rattled through the old machinery and wreckage. Tommy smirked and thought to himself, yeah, he's still in here somewhere. Tommy made his way across the main room, brushing his fingers through the cobwebs and the old metal contraptions laying about, whistling loud and obnoxious as he thumped his Italian patent leather shoes on the floor. He came to a spot in the center of the room where a dirty old rug lay flat on a wooden floor and kicked it aside. Underneath was a trap door with a rusted handle. He wedged the crowbar underneath and cracked it open. Inside was a tarnished old bronze urn which was speckled green with age. It was still here, right here where he had left it. With both hands, he pulled the urn out and placed it in front of him. Holding the bottom, he unscrewed it with the other hand. Inside was a pile of human ashes with one completely intact human femur sticking right out of it. He could feel the air around him getting heavier and smirked. Tommy stood up with the bone in his hands and admired how it had stayed intact so well after all these years. He looked into the darkness and all around him. I know you don't like me having this, but I know there's nothing you can do about it. So you better do what I tell you, or am I gonna have to hurt you again? Like this! Tommy squatted down and hit the floor with the bone over and over again. The doors he had come through rattled and burst open with an icy blast of wind, kicking up a flurry of dust and filth all around. Tommy stood up, laughing in the chaos of it all, and dropped the bone down on the floor with a deliberate, careless fling. Good, he said, grinning. Now that I have your attention, you're gonna listen to me. I'm gonna need you to put me back on the map, buddy. And then, maybe, just maybe, I'll let you move on. If I'm feeling generous. Action! Robbie, I don't like this. We should turn back. It's not safe here. 
Damn it, Jessica, we can't turn back now. Not after everything that's happened. It's not right, Robbie. You shouldn't have to be the one to put yourself at risk to fix the mistakes of the past. People are dying, Jessica, and my father has something to do with it. I just know it. Your father is dead, Robbie. His ghost may be responsible for the murders in town, but that doesn't mean the burden of those lives is yours to carry. It's been 27 years, and that's 27 years I've had to deal with the pain of regret since. I can't let this go on, Jessica. Your father would agree with me. He was a good man, and he's no longer here because of what my father did. And that is my burden to bear. Maybe you're right, and maybe you're wrong, Robbie. All I know is I can't stand here and watch you throw your life away on the sins of yesterday. I can feel the evil coming from that factory, Robbie. It's real, like it's staring me right in the face as we speak. And I don't know if that's something you can fight on your own. I don't know either, but God damn it, I have to try for the sake of the orphanage. A silence hung in the air on the set. Then Tomy said, Are you gonna yell cut sometime? The flustered young director's face turned red and she fumbled around with the clipboard in her hands. Oh, uh, sorry, cut, everyone cut. That was great, good job everyone, that was great. Tomy rubbed his face in frustration, smearing fake blood all over his hands and face. That would take another 10 minutes in the makeup chair to fix and they were already behind schedule. He groaned again, this time angrier. He was feeling another fit of yelling coming on, but he wasn't going to do it. He couldn't risk another rage-fueled meltdown like what happened at the river the other day. They had been filming all over the city for about three months now, as Tomy's cash supply would allow, and frustrations came and went on set. It was a relief to know it would all be wrapped up soon. He sighed, looked back at the director, and said, Let's take a break, shall we? Uh, yeah, good idea, she said. Good, everyone. Good good job. Take 15. We'll, we'll be back here in a minute. Thanks. The actress opposite of Tomy had already left and was nowhere to be seen. Tomy knew she was probably back at that fence bitching about him with the other crew members. He knew what was going on around here. He wasn't stupid. They hated him and he hated them. They were all local film students and put up with him because they were making actual money. His money. They were also getting to work with a high-profile actor, albeit a former one, but it would still be good on a resume somewhere. So in his mind, Tomy thought that they were getting everything they could out of him, while he was dealing with what he could get out of them. As far as he was concerned, they could all go fuck themselves about how they felt about him right now. He collapsed in his chair and felt around in the cooler next to him for a beer. He popped it open and surveyed the set with his sunglasses on, until his eyes met with the director, and she started making her way towards him. As far as anyone else on set, he got along with her the most, but there was always something with her. He could see it on her face right now that there was another problem. Hey, um, great job back there. I really felt it that time. Thanks, what's going on, he said as he sucked down half a beer in one gulp. Uh, well, we're getting some complaints that there might be some, like, homeless people or drifters or something living in that factory right now. Oh, Tomy said, and why would you say that? Well, she said, brushing her hair behind her ear. I mean, no one has actually seen anyone go in and out of there, but the crew keeps on getting this weird feeling like they're being watched. And some of them have even seen people standing around in the windows. I'm just... There's safety concerns, I guess is what I'm trying to say. 
Toby finished off the beer and crushed it in his hand. I can assure you, Miss Director, that there are no homeless people living in there. I've been in and out of there myself several times in the past few months. It's an old building and people may or may not see things that they think they see in there. That's the whole appeal, really, I'm sure you understand. Well, yeah, she said, and that's cool and all, but... But what? It's just, you haven't told me how we're going to film the final scene yet. I mean, I know it's going to take place inside, but I just don't see how it's going to happen. We still need permission from the county to go in there, and they still haven't said anything back. And, well, I just don't know how we're going to get the whole crew in and out of there with equipment, even if we do. Well, first, said Tomi, they haven't said anything about allowing us to go in there, because I haven't asked to go in there. Why... Why would you not do that? She asked. Because, Tomi said, questions we know the answers to we don't need to ask, right? She held her clipboard in front of her and looked confused, almost disgusted even, but said nothing. Look, I'll lay it down for you. The state's been on my ass because of some of the town council had family that died in there from back in the day. They are never ever gonna let me go in there legally, ever. And I do mean me specifically. They were insisted upon that over 20 years ago. They say I'm disrespectful to the history here or some shit. I don't remember. So as it is, I've decided that it's best that I stay off their radar, so to speak. Know what I mean? So therefore, let me tell you how it's going to happen, said Tomi, pointing with an unopened beer in his hand. You see that guy? The one over there? The big guy with the backwards hat by the camera. Well, we're not going to bring the whole crew in there because it's just going to be me and him. And all we're going to need is one afternoon. That's it. She turned her head ever so slightly back and squinted at him. I know, said Tommy. When was I going to tell you about this? Well, I'm telling you now. It's nothing on you. You're doing a fine job. But it's just easier this way. I've already rehearsed it on my own. I have everything planned out. If you don't like what you see, you can change whatever you want in editing. And I'm making that a promise to you now. Thing is, is that I'd ask you to come along, but it's just... It's safer this way. Let's just say, I can't explain it, but you gotta trust me on this. The less people we have in there during that last scene, the better. And if it's all the same, I'd appreciate you not telling anyone what's going on, for obvious reasons. She looked at him for a moment, trying to figure out what he was doing. She wanted to ask so many more questions, but somehow knew she wasn't gonna get the answers from him that she was looking for. She shrugged and then turned and walked away from him. On the way back to her chair, she looked over at the creepy old factory standing before the set with its crumbling bricks and overgrown weeds. Part of her wanted to press the issue of filming the final scene, but then again, there was a bigger part of her that really, really didn't want to go inside of that building. All right, said Tommy, flicking a spent cigarette butt. He reached up and adjusted one of the stage lights he had set earlier and then turned to the cameraman. Listen to me. And this is really, really important. I'm dead ass serious. You do not stop filming under any condition, period. No matter what I do, no matter what I say, you stay filming. Am I clear? The big man looked uncomfortable and his eyes were wide. He looked like the air itself inside here would reach out and bite him at any moment. Wiping a bead of sweat from his face, he shook his head and said, yeah, no problem. All right, Tomi said, get in place. I'm gonna yell action before I bust through the door, and then it's on, all right? The man nodded. Tommy turned his back and walked towards his mark. 
got in place. Action! Spirit, enough of this! You have taken everything from me and you will take no more. You will hear me and you will know that this, this ends tonight. Tomi fell to his knees and pulled the rug over on the floor with a swish. An icy wind wafted through the air and the cameraman held steady. Tomi threw the trap door open and pulled out the bronze urn with the ashes and the air became even colder. When Tomi unscrewed the lid, a light distinct rumble could be heard from below the floor. Tomi took the bone out of the urn and lifted it up with both hands. This, this is the key that binds you to this world and the key to the destruction you've caused. And without it, you are nothing. I stand before you to destroy it and to end you myself. Tomi slapped the bone onto a buzzsaw table and a full wind rushed in through the doors he had just come through. The cameraman held himself still. He just had to keep his view on Tomi, whatever happened, whatever was going to happen, just like he was told. Tomi turned the saw and the buzz sound cut through the cold air with an unnerving volume. The cameraman could hear glass breaking behind him. Doors were shuddering in the wind. It was all so sudden, too much to take in. A stink of malignancy hung in the cameraman's heart. The same feeling that he had felt hanging around the building when they filmed. The same thing the other crew members felt. But now, this time, it was in his face and under his skin. Tomi edged the bone towards the saw. He hesitated, working through his own nerves. Then, shutting his eyes as hard as he could, he thrust it forward. Before it could reach, a gust of wind caught him and threw him back, making him lose his footing and sending him landing hard on his back. He got himself together and tried to stay in the moment. Not this time, spirit. Your evil won't get the better of me. We end this once and for all. Tomi stood up, slammed the bone back on the table and pushed it back on the edge of the blade. The wind kicked up again and blasted everywhere. The cameraman was shaking and he tried to hold himself steady. Tomi pushed the bone into the saw once more and the saw was now connecting. As the metal ripped into the bone matter, a distinct metal screaming sound accumulated through the building and into their ears. A spot of blood dripped onto the sawing table, and Tomi felt a pain in his sinuses. He realized that he was bleeding from his eyes. What the fuck, he said, wiping his face. Shit, he said. He had to improvise, think of something. You're fighting me, spirit, but it's not gonna help. This is it. This is your final undoing. Tomi worked the bone through the saw as the metallic sound became louder and louder. The cameraman's knees buckled and he fell on them, then steadied himself to keep the camera up, and realized that he was now literally pissing himself watching this. Tomi's face lit up in a wicked smile and he screamed. Blood was squirting through his eye sockets at an alarming rate. Finally, through the rusted saw blade, the bone cracked in half with an audible snap. The sound stopped. The cold wind halted. And the floor was quiet. Tomi stood there, blood-stained, panting like a dog, heart beating. He wiped his face and said, I did it. The cameraman found his way up to his feet and noticed he started to do something odd. Tomi's right hand was slowly reaching its way up into his own mouth and he started to gag on his own hand. Tomi's left hand tried to hold on to the right and he let out a muffled scream of pain. His own right hand was trying to claw and force its way down his own throat. Tomi tried to pry himself off of himself. 
He writhed around furiously, and a mix of blood and spit ran out the sides of his mouth. Tomy flipped his body around on the walls and wrestled with himself, slamming himself violently into every hard surface nearby. He managed to get his own hand out of his scratched-up mouth hole and screamed. Tomy's right hand caught the back of his head and pulled his hair, and his own legs were forcing himself over to the buzzsaw table. He slammed his head into the table over and over again. Tomy shouted and tried to squirm his way out of his own body, but this time his muscles were locked up tight. The right hand slid his face up closer to the whirring blade bit by bit, and Tomy screamed more. The only thing he was in control of now was the words he was speaking, and those words cursed and spat the name Stanley over and over. His reaching hand met the blade, and he began to saw his hand in two. Then inch by inch, he forced his entire arm onto the saw, traveling all the way up to his jaw and then to his open mouth, where it made its way up to his forehead, where he forced his own face onto the blade with a series of erratic headbutts, splitting his head into a frenzied mess of blood and uneven parts. Screams gurgled up from his throat on the blood he choked on, until at last he stopped screaming and his body went completely limp. It slumped off the table and fell onto the concrete floor. The chill in the air had left the room, and it was replaced by emptiness and the smell of blood. The cameraman had remained still, and then vomited on himself and ran back the way they came, leaving Tomy's body behind on the floor. Hey guys, it's Rick Savage here of Savage Haunts YouTube channel, and today we're here in the alleged death factory outside of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, where many strange and terrible deaths have taken place over the last century. The most recent and famous being that of famed bad boy actor Tommy Stiles, who allegedly killed himself in here three years ago in a gruesome and bizarre incident that still remains a mystery to this very day. Was Tommy, who was pretty much washed up by that point in his career, trying to make one last final statement with this movie, or were there more nefarious forces at work that would make Tommy do what he did? We intend to explore this today on this episode of Savage Haunts, and maybe, just maybe, we can get Tommy himself to speak up and say something. Alright, I'm ready. You guys ready? Let's do this. Let's see how long we last in this place. The camera crew a sheriff's deputy, and the host of a YouTube channel all lined up at the front gate. The deputy opened the fence with a key and everyone went inside. Tommy's lucid, pale form hung like a mucus in the air in the front window. He watched the crew talking, quipping to the camera, bullshitting. He watched as the host gave his little song and dance. He's seen all of this before, about a hundred times by now. Another ghost hunting show. More YouTubers, more fame-hungry morons helping to catch a glimpse of something or other to help put them on the map. He watched from afar and observed as they inched their way through the building with their little devices in their hands. They kept on saying things like, I feel a presence, or there's energy in here. Tomy thought that they could have been full of shit. He knew that he was the only thing in here now. Everything else and everyone else had been gone once he had started hanging around. Maybe that presence they felt was his but he knew he tried to do everything he could to suppress it when he saw people come around. And just like everyone else, they would always demand that he make an appearance. Make yourself known, connect with us, they would say. He wasn't a damn monkey anymore. Tommy wasn't gonna take orders anymore, and especially not from the likes of these amateurs. 
He'd had enough of being in front of the camera. He would rather rot here in the ether before he would ever think about making another appearance on film, after he had spent his whole life trying so hard to get attention. You have been listening to Last Scene in a Missing Film, written and performed by myself, Nicholas Corice. Background ambience provided by Tabletop Audio. Support them at tabletopaudio.com. End music provided by bensound.com. Please let us know if you're enjoying the show by subscribing and following us on Instagram at NicholasNoExit, all one word. You have been listening to No Exit with Nicholas Corice. Thank you.